It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Welcome on in to the 32nd, a.k.a. the Michael Lewis, I guess, edition of the Counterpoint Podcast, brought to you by BGN Radio and BGNRadio.com and BleedingGreenNation.com, which I wrote an article for yesterday uh, about this whole Carson Wentz isn't a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and I didn't think it was like such a hot take. But people got pretty angry at me. And if you listened to episode 309 of BGN Radio, uh, you would have heard uh, James and I versus BLG and John Barchard. Um, yeah, they're wrong. It's it's not it's not even it's not even a debate. It's it's arguing it's arguing semantics. He's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. When we're at the end of like that's the thing that sucked for me is I mean if you, you guys have listened to this podcast from from day one, obviously. I mean, you guys know how much I love Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is one of the five most important people in my life. And for me to have to be the guy, the bad guy, in the situation hurt. I love Carson Wentz. I think he's going to win multiple titles here as the Super Bowl winning quarterback. But he just wasn't the Super Bowl winning quarterback this time. I don't know why that made people so angry. I don't think people like the truth. But that's just what it is. Now, I know you guys are saying this like, oh, sure, Jack, you love Carson. You're a Fugazi fraud because of what happened in the last Counterpoint podcast. So I want to address that right off the bat. Uh, very sorry. I, I, I was so embarrassed. I, I can't believe that I suggested that Mike Wallace should wear number 11. I have, I have never been more disappointed in myself in my entire life. Uh, it was It was an egregious error. It was an error that... 
I mean, that's why I gave myself a self-ban for, for 10 days there. A 10-day ban, or however long it was since the last podcast. I, I couldn't stomach coming on here and, and having you guys trust me again. I lost the listeners because I, 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 I foolishly got ahead of myself and thought Mike Wallace would good, look good in number 11. But I completely forgot that that is the number of our Lord and Savior, Carson Wentz. So, you know, that's on me. Hand up. I'm going to take full responsibility for my actions. Uh, it will never happen again. I can't believe it happened in the first place. I was just, I was all, I was all riled up. I was talking fast. I'm going to talk fast. Some, sometimes I blurt out things. And I, I made a huge mistake. I made a huge mistake. I hope the trust tree forgives. I know the trust tree is a forgiving place. But it would have felt weird going any other direction to start this podcast and addressing the ban that I that I gave myself. Although a ban is a suspension. I suspended myself from the podcast because I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve to come on and, and talk to you one-on-one because I messed up. I messed up. Hand up. It's completely on me. And uh, that's my sincere apology. But uh, let's move on to Jack's headlines. Uh, Doug Peterson threw out the first pitch yesterday, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna check the scale on his balls because he goes out, he goes out, and he goes out with a Super Bowl trophy, holds it up, shows it to the whole crowd, like yeah, motherfuckers, we did that shit, and I'm big balls, Doug. Now I'm gonna go throw the first pitch. Doug Doug went on the mound for a first pitch. You see these first pitches. You see these these wimpy, less men than Doug Peterson go out there and and throw their first pitches from in front of the mound. Doug's like, fuck that. I'm going right up on the mound. Goes right up on the mound and throws a perfect strike. I love Doug Peterson more and more every day. And him going out there. I mean, I, I tweeted it out before, which, again, you can always tweet or You can always follow me on Twitter at WIP. I tweeted out that if he doesn't throw a strike, he's on on the hot seat. Doug clearly read that tweet, and he took it personally. Went out there; it was a it wasn't a soft strike either. It was like I'm gonna put some gusto behind this, show that I was a quarterback in this league, and boom, strike. So, um, yeah, Doug Doug went out there, slammed it on the table again with the, with a Super Bowl trophy, threw a strike, and was like, yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, Jack's headline number two, the Eagles signed Richard Rogers this week, who is an upgrade over Brent Selleck, obviously. Um, although see, I don't know, like Richard Rogers has like torched me in fantasy for, I think four straight years. And I always forget that he never really used tight ends. I think Richard Rogers is a good player. I think he's going to be a good player here. Carson. I mean, we know how much these guys use tight ends here. We know how much Doug uses tight ends. Carson loves his tight ends. Richard Rodgers is a is a major upgrade over Brent Selleck. We'll probably see him more involved in the pass game than Brent Selleck was, but I'm all in. I'm all in on Richard Rodgers. Uh, headline number three, I vowed to never bring him up again, but, you know, he just becomes less and less credible and more and more of a troll every single day. It's, it's like he is so – he is the most uncredible person in the media today. And it's, it's not even – particularly close uh so Kean 
Kean, our good buddy Kean Fahey, who is out of a job. I don't think he has a job. He doesn't work for ESPN anymore because he got fired from there because he sucks ass. And he did, in fact, this is true. He he ranked he ranked Dak over Wentz last year for his performance. He he ranked Dak, who sucked last year, above the guy who was going to be the MVP in the league because Kean Fahey, boy, does he really really know football. He knows more about football than every single person on the internet. Now, I know a lot of you probably didn't see that because you're all blocked by him, but thank God I have multiple accounts, and I saw that he, in fact, did that monstrosity. Monstrosity? I don't think that's a word. I think atrocity was the word I was looking for. Actually, monstrosity is definitely a word, but not in what I was going for there. See, here's how my brain works sometimes. My brain works sometimes where it's like, I want to sound really smart here, really hammer home a point, but every time I go to try to hammer home a point... I just blurred out some big word that has nothing to do with the conversation. Like the other day I was talking about uh, I have a bigger lexicon than someone else, but I was talking about like depth of knowledge instead of instead of uh, vocabulary. It's just how my brain works. It's a bad brain. It's a brain that, that tries to use big words to sound smarter than they really are, even though not smart at all. And, uh, and that's what just happened right there. I'm sorry again. <laughs> Listen. Man, tough start to this episode. Just a bunch of just a bunch of bad Jack moments. Uh, and four guys, I f- I finally did it. I I unfollowed Matt Lombardo on Twitter. It was a long time coming, but now he's moving on to go cover the Giants beat. Poor Giants fans. Uh, you get you get stuck with with Matt Lombardo, and I'm just waiting. I haven't seen it yet. Now he might have already written this article. But has he written an article about how the Giants should draft Saquon Barkley at number two yet? Because I know that article's coming. I know he's sitting there squatting on that article to come out. And I can't wait. I can't wait to find it. and Or I can't wait for it to come out. If it comes out and I missed it and you keep following Matt Lombardo, just tweet it at me. Now we have a wedding update. So uh, August 25th. Don't 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 tweet at Joe that pause. That was that was a pause. I knew the date. Okay, it was a, it was a little bit of a pause. I knew the date. August twenty fifth. Very quick. Don't don't be a dick. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, my wedding date is August twenty fifth. And a couple weeks ago, I saw on Twitter uh, a video of the the party coming out of, I guess wherever they're getting pictures and into the reception after the wedding. And they do this like introduction thing. I don't know. Whatever. I gotta figure all that stuff out. I I'm doing bad at this whole wedding planning thing. I'm just like, yeah, that looks good. I agreed, and I'm just doing my best. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to stay out of the way because, like, really, they don't like the the wife in this situation doesn't really want you to be a part of the wedding planning. It's just like they 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 factor in your opinion and then do whatever they want to do anyway. So I'm just like cutting out the middleman. Like, I'll put in my input, and then it's like, well, I disagree. And I'm like, all right, then whatever. It's fine. I'm just, you know, there be me. Anyway, so the when they do that, the introductions, they introduce the whole wedding party. I've been noticing a trend of people doing the Philly special when they introduce the whole wedding party. And I'm working on it. I'm working on Jill. It's going to happen. I have to make it happen. Because if, if, if I do this podcast... I am a, obviously a diseased Eagles fan. I think about the Eagles on a daily basis. I do this podcast, BGN, everything. Like it would be bad for my brand if I don't do the Philly special at my wedding. So I'm working on Jill. I think she's open to it. 
Uh, and uh, the Philly special is going to occur at my wedding. And it's going to be glorious. Now, I want to take you guys back to the Super Bowl. Remember that game that we won that was super fun and all of that stuff? Um, I don't know about, I don't know if you guys are like me, but whenever you're, you're just randomly watching TV, flipping through the channels, and you, you see a Super Bowl highlight, you automatically stop whatever you're doing and just you, you sit there engrossed for like an hour. Uh, so the other day, they were showing highlights of Gronk just because of the whole he might get traded thing, he might retire thing, and they were showing him in the Super Bowl. I almost forgot how terrible. I think I just blacked out that first drive after the Super Bowl because the first drive in the second half of the Super Bowl was the single most terrified I've been of anything in my entire life. When they came out and only threw to Gronk for an entire drive, I was petrified because I was like, I was all confident first half, uh, halftime, they go down, they do the Philly special. I'm like, oh, we got this. We got this. Actually, no, I never really thought we had it, but I was confident. I was like, okay, we're, we're good. We're good. Everything's fine right now. And then they did that. The Patriots came out, they fed Gronk for a whole drive. And I was like, oh, this is over. It's over. Game's over. Good, good, good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. Uh, they're just going to feed Gronk all the way to the Super Bowl championship. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I was just thinking back, and I was like, man, that was a very terrifying moment for me. Probably the most scared of anything I've been in my, in my entire life, second half Gronk. Uh, and, and shout out to the Patriots for not just doing that every single time down the field. And shout out to, the, for, uh, to Jim Schwartz for, for adjusting. But uh, I did not like rehashing second half first drive Gronk. <laughs> Finally, before we get to our interview with the one and only Chad Lewis, who again is an absolute legend, I just want to I just want to take a step back and rejoice because earlier this week it was April Fools' Day, and April Fools' Day is fucking dead. April Fools' Day is fucking dead for all of you people out there who wrote your jokes about how uh, uh the Eagles they won a Super Bowl. April Fools! So fucking funny. Guess what? That's dead. It's all dead. You can't make the April Fools Day Eagles Super Bowl jokes anymore. April Fools Day is fucking dead. I am done with it. It is over. I don't have to go on social media anymore and I don't have to be ridiculed for not having a Super Bowl. It is all dead. Gone. Goodbye. April Fools Day dead. Now we can go back to making Cowboys jokes about April Fools Day, how how they haven't won since 19 fucking 96 cuz it's over. I forgot how much I hated April Fools Day. Guess what? April Fools Day is fucking dead in the ground, gone forever. Your jokes are dead. The Eagles won the Super Bowl, and guess what? By doing that, April Fools Day is over today i am joined by the one and only the legend himself chad lewis chad what are you up to these days how come the people i played against didn't call me legend they just (laughs) called me big turkey (laughs) and that's not what i heard from my friend ike reese here ike reese is the man love ike reese you know why here's here's what made ike great he played with his heart and soul he came to practice and games, and gave every ounce of everything he had. And it was, that's what makes a team good, is when you have a whole bunch of people like Ike who are playing, you know, punching above their weight, playing with all they got, playing with passion. It just brings 
everything out of each other. And so Ike Reese deserves all the good that he gets because he earned it. He fought for it. He he bled for it. That's a good dude, man. He's a great he's a great guy. Now he's now he's pouring all of that into the radio here and uh, eventually, in the, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to need some dirt on him because me and him have a bunch of rivalries here, and I, I need to get a, a leg up, and I, I need I need your help with that. <laughs> I only know the good stuff. You're going to have to talk to someone else on the team who's got the dirt. I have I got no dirt. So I was I was on your Twitter profile, Chet. Do you have seven kids? I've got seven. It feels like a petting zoo in my house. There's there's people everywhere. That's crazy. I mean, I'm 24. So if you need any help on uh, on connecting with with the boys there, I, I'll help out if you if you need it. Yeah, you got to get to work. You're 24. You, you got to get to work. <laughs> uh, so I just want to be honest with you, Chad. Uh, I I don't like that that Brent Selleck got a ring before you because you were the <laughs> you were the original Brent Selleck. That's right. I gave it. I I tried I tried to give it everything I had. The good thing about Brent, he did. He played great. He played tough. He played big. He's got a big body. Um, he covered, you know, a couple generations. So he had Donovan, finished Donovan's career, and then in through the transition all the way to Carson Wentz to a Super Bowl ring. So I couldn't be happier for him. I felt like he was he was a great team leader. He was a warrior. He was a total Philadelphia dude. Played hard. Um, I really liked the, the relationship he had with Zach Ertz. I thought those two guys, they played off each other well for a couple of years, and and so I was pumped when when he got a ring. I was there. I was at the Super Bowl, so I was I was thrilled. Oh, that's awesome! Did you did you feel any um kind of like a sense of relief for like a monkey getting off your back when the Eagles like finally did it? Because I thought I thought one yeah. of the, one of the cool things about working here and seeing Ike and John Ritchie and those guys was that they kind of rode the way with us because they knew that their teams unfortunately didn't get it done, and now this team has a chance to get it done and get that proverbial monkey off of their back. Yeah, I think all of us were thrilled. All of us felt like it was our team as well. You know, it just felt like this is the Eagles family and we just got a Super Bowl. And especially since Jeffrey Lurie is still the owner, he's such a a visible person in the in the media, in the community. He's very involved. He's treat he's treated all of us so well. And it's still a family because of that. You know, you got Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson um, coaching the team, Deuce Staley's there. So many guys are still there that for all of us, it just feels like family. It was, it was, we all celebrated big time. Now, when you first met Howie Roseman, did you think he was like a nerd that you're going to stuff into the locker real quick? Or what did you think <laughs> of Howie? He was really young. And I, I talked to Andy Reid right off the bat when, when Howie showed up, and Andy was so complimentary of Howie, he said that he was not just a great guy, but he had, he had a he had a great feel for what he was doing. And as soon as I heard Andy talk about him that way, Howie didn't look like just a young young guy to me. He looked like a, a football executive, someone that cared, that knew what he was doing, that had the confidence of the people around him. And so I've always looked at Howie just as a as a great dude, and I'm glad that Andy pulled me aside and and gave me that window and perspective into what Howie does and who he is. Yeah, I mean, I think Howie was uh, pretty unfairly ridiculed here for a little bit, and to see where he came from to basically being moved to the different part of the Novacare complex by 
by the by the other coach and uh, coming back to winning a Super Bowl and, and building that team. One of the cool redemption stories on a team really full of cool redemption stories. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better in football as a sport. It's just such a tough sport, such a physical sport to have a story of redemption mixed in there. So it's only fitting in the city of Philadelphia that that Howie Roseman also fits that story of redemption. And, and he's also got his eye on other stories of redemption. He's not afraid to go after someone um, like Michael Vick, who other people are both hands in the Heisman pose saying, we are not taking him. And Howie said, he's a very talented dude. He's a changed man. He has so much to give. And then you look at what they did. Jeffrey Lurie stepping way up. Howie, Andy, when they went and got Michael. Because who else on the entire planet is going to have an impact talking about, you know, dogfighting in the urban community? For years, that's what Michael was doing, is he was having an impact. And yeah. And it was it was really the vision of those guys willing to bring him into Philly, allow him to play football, and make an impact. And that's part of the story of redemption that I'm talking about. So there's some great people leading the Philadelphia Eagles organization. If you guys did win the Super Bowl in 2005, would you have been the one to give the Jason Kelsey speech? Because that's kind of what I was envisioning. <laughs> Look, I was hoping to drive away in the MVP truck, man. I would have been like on I-95 somewhere rolling. Uh, we all wanted to have that parade. We, we talked about it. We openly talked about it. We wanted to have that parade down Broad Street. Yeah. And I think every one of our guys celebrated. I wouldn't have done the Jason Kelsey thing. I think John Ritchie would have done that. He was, uh, he's Ritchie would have been great. He's fun. Um. He he would have been classic up there. He would have been great. What was what was Doug like as a teammate? I mean, a teammate. I mean, I know. I think you were here for half the year. He was only here for a year. Uh, did you did you ever envision Doug turning into like an offensive wizard like he is? He always had that ability because he's a he was a quarterback. That's how his mind thinks and works. And as a quarterback, when I joined the team, when Doug was a quarterback, he took me in like I was like his brother or something. It was, it was seamless. I remember going on the first road trip, and he was just like, what's up? I think we went to Washington, D.C. and um, played the Redskins. And it was just so comfortable being around him, hanging out with him. Well, not everyone has that smooth ability just to accept people into their, into their lives and their inner circle. Doug did. He had no problem. And now I mean, he's doing it with this team. I stayed in Doug's house, and it was just Doug and Jeannie are, they've always been that way. doesn't matter who you talk to, whether it's Brett Favre, whether it's Andy Reid, he's just, he's, he's poised, he's cool, he's, he's not rattled. I've never seen him rattled. I've never seen him nervous. So to watch the clip of, of him and Nick Foles and Nick saying, hey, let's run Philly special, he's like, all right, hang on. Yeah, okay, let's go. Do it. Well, that's Doug. Did, did you ever play quarterback in the NFL? That totally helps him as a coach. It gives him that extra level of whatever, poise, confidence. He's got it. Did you notice his huge balls when you were playing with him? Because he's got, he's got huge balls. He's big balls Doug here. 
I just knew he was a stud. He's he's never changed. I I went to Kansas City Chiefs game as as he was a coordinator, and I talked to him on the sideline right before the game, and he's the same. I talked to him in the locker room afterwards, the same. He doesn't change. He's just absolutely Doug Peterson. I'm so glad he's the head coach. Yeah, and so am I. I mean, kind of like it's weird though because when you first meet him, you first uh, hear him talk, you're like, well, this guy doesn't seem very smart. But then when you when you actually watch the way he coaches and the way he communicates with players, everyone just feels super comfortable. And he, he built a culture that was completely destroyed by by the coach there before. Doug has just been he's been everything you wanted and more from a head coach. I, I can't believe it. He's so cool. And just watching him throw the first pitch for the Phillies, he holds that thing. He's got a still got a nice arm. Yeah, and, uh, he he threw it. His, uh, he threw it right down the middle, and he also went out with the Super Bowl uh, trophy, which I thought was just it was just Doug being like, "Yeah, we won the Super Bowl. Get over it." <laughs> he's, he's a stud. He's a stud. I like that he said, "Hey, get ready. This is going to be the new normal. Let's go." I know, I know. Everything he said. I think a week after, a week after the Super Bowl, he's already like preparing for the off season and or preparing for the next season. Pretty much immediately after, it was no, there was no downtime for Doug, and that's what makes uh, Doug Doug. Uh, so. Unfortunately, in the 2004 NFC Championship game, you, you you broke your foot after scoring the touchdown to to bring us to the Super Bowl. And there is audio of this. Now I want to I'm going to play this for you, and then I got a question for you. So let's listen to it real quick. Celebrating. Now that is a man that had no less than 90 beers after winning the NFC Championship game. How many beers did you have after after winning the NFC Championship? <laughs> that's a man that's never tasted alcohol in his entire life. Being oh. a Mormon, that's, that's something that is really important to me. I've never had a beer ever. So I've always had a lot of enthusiasm and energy for life. And at that moment, I knew we were going to the Super Bowl, and we had lost three NFC Championships in a row, and that – celebrate that with my teammates on the sideline right then was just I can still feel it yeah and honestly we're going to go into the trust tree real quick the trust tree is 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 just a tree full of trust I was eight when you guys lost to the Buccaneers in 2002 does that that make you feel a little old for a second no that 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 game was yesterday to me that still hurts that broke my heart so I went back and watched it before the Super Bowl run uh just because I wanted to remember uh, pretty much all the heartbreak, just so like I could just really feel it and get fully into the Super Bowl run. Do you think you guys might have lost because you had a defensive tackle playing middle linebacker in Levon Kirkland? Oh man, I love Levon. He was a great teammate. I couldn't believe I how huge got, that guy was. He got put in some tough spots. I mean, uh, who was the Penn State wide receiver the torches for a couple? Uh, was that Jaravicious? Yeah, Jaravicious had a nice game against us. And uh, that wasn't very fun. I thought John Gruden came in with a very good game plan. He's an offensive wizard. Well, cause I Gruden... knew that we were going to win that game. I knew, especially after Brian Mitchell took that opening kickoff back and then Deuce Davies scored a touchdown. And the fact that we didn't, it still haunts me. That's not cool. That is not cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it still haunts me, too. That was the first time I ever felt anger, and I didn't know why I was so angry because I was eight. And I didn't. I was like, "Oh, so this is what it's like being a being a Philadelphia Eagles fan." But hey, you know, it's all over now. All of that is done. The Super Bowl this That's year. Right. I mean, for fans, obviously, for you, it's it's a little different. But at least around no, here, no, that game wiped it out. That, that our our Super Bowl victory this year that was good. That was a 
Bowman of Gilead that helped me. Was was the Bucks can't play in the cold the original fake news? <laughs> they were supposed to lose that game. It was cold. They came up and they just uh, they had the right mindset. They laughed about the cold that game and they they just played better than we did and got us. One well, they one for twenty one in in cold weather games or something. I think up to that point they were zero four. I don't think they had ever won a game in cold weather. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Like I said, it's all in the past now. We can move on. Uh, but I just I was I was watching Levon Kirkland and I, and I thought Jim Johnson kept dropping his defensive tackle in coverage and I was I was just shocked. <laughs> He's a big dude. He's big. He had a great career at Pittsburgh. So he did. He did. So when you were in college, you wore number ninety six. Now, now, That's right. when I, why, why was that? Because I walked on and they gave me 96. And I'm like, I'll take double zero. I just want a spot on this team. So they gave me 96, and uh, I kept it. And I, I said my senior year is going to be 96. This is going to mean a lot. And so my senior year, we went 14-1. and one. We were the fifth best team in the country. I felt like I represented 96 well. And I was thrilled when I got to the pros and they gave me 89. I was, I was happy about that. Yeah, 96, you, that's a weird number. Well, especially for a, for a tight end. I just had never seen a tight end wear number 96 or a 90s number <laughs> at all. <laughs> Let's say that's why I was not drafted in the pros. They kept looking at 96 like, this dude is rushed defensive end or what? And then I mean, you wore 89 well. 89, 89 was a good number for Chad Lewis. Yeah, that fits. I loved it. Uh, is is T.O. more of a of an alpha dog than you for playing in the Super Bowl on a broken leg? T.O. was a beast. I mean, he had a he had a plate and eight screws in his ankle. Yeah, they advised him not to play. He practiced, he prepared, and he went out and played in that game like a machine. I can't remember how many balls or yards, but it was it was ridiculous. You should have you should have gone on the hyperbaric chamber with him. Yeah, wasn't enough room for two. Uh, I wish that I would have been able to play. So do it would have been fun. Um, it's kind of like uh, Tony Finau dislocating his ankle and going out and playing in the Masters like he did yesterday. I want him to win that thing. But uh, just for T.O. to do what he did, he, he'll go down in Eagles history as a warrior forever. Definitely. Definitely. I, I completely agree. Uh, and unfortunately, you didn't get to play in that game, but neither did John Ritchie. You know, John Ritchie should have played in that game as well, and we could definitely rip on him for not playing. Yeah, he tore his ACL, I think, in the Detroit game that year. So yeah. I think it was a brand-new field. We went out there, we warmed up, it felt good. And when he got hurt, it was – that wasn't right. He was he was a great member of our team. Josh Perry ended up stepping up big for us. But when he went down, that was just – I didn't like that at all. He was a fun teammate. He brought so much to the table. And then a couple, you know, several games later, I went down too. That was a that's a bummer. Yeah, and now he's now he's working here at WIP. Another another great member of that team that is here. Uh, you guys are infiltrating our station. <laughs> we have we have <laughs> we have Hollis. We have Trey Thomas now. We have Ike. We have John Ritchie. Uh, anything? Any, you got any dirt on those guys that I can use in in in, uh, in arguments? Sheesh! I'm telling you, <laughs> you got to go somewhere else for dirt. I got nothing. All I see from those guys was incredible effort, hard work, yeah. fun. Like they made they made our facility such a cool place to be. 
We wanted to get there in the morning. Yeah. We wanted to go to practice. We enjoyed being on the road together. Um, that happens on fun, cool, excellent teams, and that totally happened with that team in, in 04. Yeah. And really for a couple of years there, we had unbelievable team chemistry for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just messing around. Those guys are awesome. So, uh, uh, thanks for coming on, Chad. I really appreciate a few minutes from you, uh, and, and thanks for all your contributions back in the day as a great eagle, and now what you're doing at, at BYU. Yeah, you bet. Shout out Chad Lewis. Chad Lewis is the best, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Uh, he's a fun guy, super fun guy. All right, let's check the counterpoint mailbag. Um, from. Cameron Reynolds. Hey, Jack. I've been an Eagles fan since 2008 when I first got into football and have loved every second of it. Uh, But I've never gotten into basketball in the same way. I've lived in South Texas all my life, surrounded by terrible, awful, smug, crybaby Cowboys fans, I might add. Listen, man. At least the Cowboys fans in Texas are from there and, like, sort of get the culture. Like, the ones from around here who have never been to Texas in their entire life like, you don't know smug, terrible, awful crybabies until you meet those people. So just just, 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 be, just be aware of that, Cameron. Uh, so, of course, I love my Spurs and all that they represent in the sense of a pure team basketball. I'm starting to see the same things happen with the Sixers, and they are so fun to watch. My question is, since I have been an Eagles fan for so long and a fan of Philly in general, if I could be allowed to be a fan of a second team being the Sixers, P.S., keep up the great work you do as well as the rest of BGN Radio. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, listen. Here's the thing. Is I will allow you to be a Sixers fan as long as you didn't shit on the process. Like, if you shit on the process and you were like, oh, it'll never work. Sam Hickey's a fraud. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, then no, you're not allowed to be a Sixers fan. But if you were like, hey, this is actually a super interesting, innovative idea. Brett Brown's a great coach. All this stuff. Sure. Sure, the Sixers are super. The Sixers are awesome, and they have a little Eagles thing ish going on right now. Uh, that is that is super super fun. I can't wait for tonight, which is Friday, April sixth, because tonight they play the Cleveland Cavaliers against LeBron James, who is going down. <laughs> uh, from Julia Manring. Uh, hey Jack, I have a drastically important question. That's what I'm here for. All of all of your important questions, I will answer. Uh, I'm from Cleveland. Sorry. Listen, Julia, sorry. I went to Cleveland once, and it was horrible. Like, it was a miserable experience. I can't believe LeBron went back there, but I would have ran. Anyway, uh, but I became an Eagles fan when the Browns left and stayed an Eagles fan when they came back because they were a horribly run organization. Am I allowed in the trust tree? Also, would you say there's a jersey that's worn by fake fans than real diseased fans? So, for your second question, uh, I really... This is going to sound harsh, but I really think like, I get pretty upset when I see people wearing Donovan jerseys. We're out on Donovan. Donovan is dead here. Donovan is not allowed to, to be around this team. He doesn't take any credit for anything that ever happened here uh, recently. Obviously, what he did here was fine, but I'm out on Donovan. Donovan is is super. So if, if I see a an Eagles fan wearing a Donovan jersey, yeah, they're fake. They're a fake fake to me. Uh, as for you being allowed in the trust tree, you're allowed in the trust tree, but it's going to take a little while to build up the trust. You know, Cleveland, like, being a Browns fan and then just deciding to be an Eagles fan, maybe we'll have to get a quiz on you 
just to see where we're going. The, the trust tree. I mean, listen, it was a very vague email. You're just like, hey, I was an Eagle. I was a Browns fan, and then they left, and then I was an Eagles fan. The, the trust tree is a forgiving place, but it's also a, a place of vulnerability. And I don't know if we can just allow an infiltrator, uh, a person that jumped from being a, a Browns fan to an Eagles fan. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the trust tree says. Uh, right now, I got I got some questions. I might have to I might have to send a, send you a questionnaire. Uh, from John Barber, hey Jack, as a diseased uh, Philly sports fan, is there ever an appropriate time to wear a shirt for any other pro team outside of the city, like for a, a player you enjoy watching? Uh, keep succeeding, John Barber. So, uh, no, there's not. And uh, and I've I've learned this at a, at a younger age because one of my best friends used to used to wear a Braves hat, and I used to get really mad at him because. They're the Braves. They're in our division. You can't wear a Braves hat. I don't care how. I just don't. I don't care if it looks cool. If it's a player you enjoy, I don't. I don't. I don't care. You can root for that player without wearing his jersey. Like I, yeah. I, I'm. I'm very much out on that. Now this is coming from a kid who, uh, in 2004, I used to wear a Kurt Schilling, uh, jersey around. Now that don't don't tweet me like, oh, what are you a, like? What do you support Kurt Schilling for everything? No. Okay. I didn't know Kurt Schilling was a psychopath. Okay, I like the pitcher Kurt Schilling, and I still think he's a Hall of Famer, and I don't care what anyone says, because for a f- seven-year window there, I would have taken him starting a big game over just about anyone in the sport. So, uh, save your Kurt Schilling takes. I wasn't supporting Kurt Schilling. I liked Kurt Schilling as a pitcher, and I kind of emulated his pitching. So, uh, calm down there. Put down the pitchforks. Uh, um, no, you cannot wear a jersey. That is a, a major violation uh, I don't care if you like other players. It's fine to like other players. I like other players, especially in the NBA. Um, but I would never, I would never wear their jersey. No, that is something that cannot happen. From Demetrius Brooks, hard-hitting free agency question here: What jersey number are you most excited about becoming available, and for who? I have to go with P. Rob leaving number twenty-one behind for Ronald Darby. Yeah, I mean, first off, we got to get Ronald Darby out of forty-one. Forty-one is a is a dog shit number. I am all in on him wearing 21. Now, uh, when I was when I was um, doing my research for this for this episode, and I came across this question, uh, I wanted Sidney Jones to wear number 24 because of Corey Graham. And listen, I told you I, it's been a tough episode. I I forgot for a second how bad cornerbacks uh, are that wear number 24 here. Namdi, Namdi being number one. Bradley Fletcher being number two. The number 24, and Corey Graham wasn't anything special. But, but like, 24 is dead here. And I'm sorry that I, for a second, thought maybe Sidney Jones would look great in 24. He would look great in 24. Just he's not allowed to wear it. 24, 24 is retired for the for the right reasons. It's retired because no one can ever wear that jersey again because, because it's dead. Everyone who wears 24 sucks in an Eagles jersey at the cornerback position. So I'm sorry that I did that. That was that's on me again. Trust tree. Listen, you're gonna have to really trust me this week because it's it's been a rough one. Um, uh, let's see. Actually, no, I'm gonna read this one. It's from John Barber again. I guess he really missed he really missed the trust tree. Um, Jack Warlow Warlow. Yeah, they signed Paul Warlow Warlow. I don't know. Uh, kind of sounds like Warley. Uh, if you were out on Warley, does this mean we are out on Paul by proxy? Uh, no. Because he's a local guy, and we always love local guys. But 
I uh, my new life mission is to get Daryl Wardley on his pod on this podcast and and tell him why I am disappointed in him. That is my new goal for counterpoint. I got Chad Lewis on. Now it's time for Daryl Wardley. Uh, from Lou uh, Millinghausen. Dear Jack, I've noticed that there hasn't been a counterpoint episode in over ten days. I have noticed this, and that is not okay. Please rectify. Thanks. Well, I rectified it. I told you I gave myself a suspension. Lou also adds, he said that Howie Strokes is weird. Sorry. <laughs> the imagery it evokes has the potential to ruin the joy of a great Howie deal. I hold this show and the Trust Tree community to a higher standard. We can do better. Okay. Listen, man. Lou's out on Howie Strokes. I liked Howie Strokes. If other people don't like Howie Strokes, we'll change it. Um, from Jack Cole. Big fan of the show. Love the podcast. I have a couple things to talk about today. First, I've been hearing uh, about how people cried when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I'm 17 and haven't nearly experienced such heartbreak like other fans. Am I a bad person? Jack, you should have been in tears. Like, you should have been in tears. I'm sorry. You got you got to be in tears when they win the Super Bowl. You're not a bad person, but I expect better. I expect if he, listen, if you're in the trust tree, you listen to this podcast, I need you in tears. It's pretty much as simple as that. Uh, from Andrew Johnson. So Howie's a football guy now, but he's also a b- big believer in the trust tree. He is. He listens to the podcast. He takes my takes my advice. I think he needs a tighter suit because that's the that's. I mean, his suits are just too big. Uh, hypothetically, he takes a day off and lets you make two to three moves. What would they be? So I would trade Foles <laughs> for the thousandth time. I would trade Nick Foles. I would get some stuff back for him. Whatever. I would trade his ass because Carson's playing Week One, baby. Second, listen, I know this probably isn't possible, but I want them to trade up for Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds. That's a first draft take. Honestly, I can't believe we haven't talked about the draft at all because usually when the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl, we talk about the draft for like four months. Guess what? That's done. We are done. We don't have to do that anymore. I, just, I heard a promo the other day. We're 24 days from the draft. Holy shit. I never start focusing on the draft. I, I would usually be full in draft mode this right now. But now I don't have to be because we won the Super Bowl. And I just haven't been fully in on the draft. But I, for some reason, I cannot get over the fact that I want a Hall of Fame linebacker here. I want a dope linebacker more than anything. And I love Nigel Bradham and Jordan Hicks. Like, all in on Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is, is a monster. I love I love him. And But I just, like, last year's Ruben Foster was my guy. This year, it's Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds. I want a nasty linebacker. I don't know why I want a nasty linebacker. I just want one. <laughs> okay? They're both, listen, Nigel Bradham and Jordan Hicks are both nasty. They're awesome. I just want another one. I want beasts. I love linebackers. I think linebackers are my favorite position in football, besides quarterback and running back. And I, I love everything about football, but I really want a fun linebacker. So just get me one of those guys. Or Sean Evans. One of the, whatever. You know what I mean. Come on, Howie. Come on. Go get him. <laughs> uh, Randy Harn. Hey, Jack. Uh, he's a trust tree member since episode one. Thanks. Uh, that's, that's cool. I've seen, I've seen a lot of counterpoint slander recently on Twitter and on bleedinggreennation.com. Some people say they hate the show. And listen, if you hate counterpoint, that's a you problem. It's a it's a it's a it's a you problem. Counterpoint is too too dumb to be hated on. Too dumb and fun to be hated on. So if if you don't like counterpoint, that's a you problem. Get out of here. Anyway, 
Uh, from Randy Harn. Hey, Jack, the name is Randy. Love the show. BGN over anything. And Tom Brady, since the Eagles beat him in the Super Bowl by a score of 41 to 33. Shout out to that. Uh, I saw a few rumors flying around about Jordan Howard. He's obviously a terrific running back, a Joe Douglas guy with the Eagles uh, not having a second or third round pick draft capital at the moment do we shoot a trade over is there is this where old michael kendricks ends up after all these years of torment on the trade block if you want my opinion on it he's under contract through 2019 and very cheap for his talent if chicago would take michael kendricks in a 2018 fourth i'd be screaming to the trade phone but on the other hand we have joe douglas and we and he found howard uh, a few rounds later and unless geis is at 32 we could probably get a half decent running back without losing a pick or shipping someone off if the price is right, I say shoot. Thanks if you put this on the show, which I did. Go Birds, and tell John and BLG Carson is the GOAT, but not a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. God bless. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's not a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. We went over that. But, listen, I saw that too, and I was wondering if they would go get him. I love Jordan Howard, and I think he's really, really good and really underrated, and the only reason he's underrated is because he plays in Chicago. Uh, I would be all in on getting Jordan Howard. Now, I don't think they will because... Uh, because they don't sell the draft capital. But if it's Michael Kendricks in a fourth, and you know you're probably not paying Jay Ajayi next year, I'd be in. I'd be all in. Maybe, maybe put Ajayi in the deal. No, I wouldn't put Ajayi in the deal. Well, maybe. I don't know. I love Jordan Howard. I'd be super in on getting him, and uh, that'd be fun. Let's head over to Twitter from L Patron. Uh, big fan of the show from Scotland. Wow. Respect your opinion on Wentz. As good as he is, he's still not. Uh, he's, he doesn't want the big one. Uh, which makes it all the sweeter when he eventually does. I agree. Like, here's the thing. Carson Wentz doesn't think he's a Super Bowl champion. I mean, obviously he's a Super Bowl champion, but he doesn't consider himself a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That was Nick Foles' Super Bowl. I'm sorry. And I and I don't think Carson Wentz thinks, feels the same way. I think I think he I think he agrees with, with James Seltzer and I, and that's why me and Carson would be best friends. I've had that thought for a while. I think Carson and I would be really good friends, and we would agree on this, and we'd be we'd, we'd, we'd ride off into the sunset together. <laughs> Uh, my question is, is it time the Eagles abolish punting and the extra point? Who needs them? I've actually wondered this for a long time. It would be pretty cool if there was no punting or an extra point. Like, eh, eh, who needs an extra point? Go for it all the time. I don't know. I mean, punting it should stay. The extra point, though, I'm sort of with you. I'm not ready to get rid of it, but I wonder what football would look like. And honestly, but here's the thing. Yeah, keep it in there because because Doug will continue going for it and continue with that. So I don't want other teams just trying to, to take away from big balls, Doug. From Phil Dudley, can the Sixers make a real run in the East? They're looking very tough route right now. Yeah, uh, the Sixers can definitely make a real run in the East, especially with Kyrie out. Uh, LeBron's pretty much the only guy on that team now. He doesn't have his second star that he can rely upon. Uh, don't, fuck out of here with Kevin Love. Um, they can definitely make a run. Toronto, I mean, they're chokers i mean kyle lowry is from here sure choker absolute choker now derozan i'm terrified of because every time we play derozan he goes for like 30 plus easily um from uh lonis uh who said that his favorite counter counterpoint episode was one where i ranted about deer because deer are assholes um how do you feel about athletes whose first and last initials are the same letter i think that's on the parents like that's just a that's just bad lazy parenting. Um, I was actually having this, this thought the other day because uh, I had to call I had to call Dick Girardi on the phone, and I was like, "How many dicks are going to be left? Like, you can't unless you like know your kid's going to be an asshole. 
Like you can't you can't name your your kid Dick anymore. Like Dick is dead. Dick is very dead. Dick's dead. I don't think we're if we if I see if I see a guy named Dick in my lifetime, like let's say let's say I'm 30 and I see a guy named Dick that is 40 and younger. I would be shocked. And I would I would honestly I would go up to that guy and be like let me talk to your parents. Get them on the phone. Because name your kid Dick. Dick's dead. That was a really long side sidetrack. Let's get back on track. Um, let's go to Matt Gumbrecht. Grumbrecht or Gumbrecht? It's Grumbrecht. That's my bad. Uh, how would you announce the Eagles pick of the draft in Dallas? The best troll Cowboys fan is the Cowboys fans. Is there a specific player? You would like to see announce the pick for the Eagles for that purpose. Listen, there's a there's a there's a bunch of candidates. Obviously, the the answer that most people would say is is Doc, and I I agree. I think Doc would be great. I think it'd be funny. Uh, I I would also be all in on Jason Kelsey, just continuing to do it. Jason Kelsey to announce the pick is something that I'm very much here for. Very much here for. Or, if I really wanted to do it, if I really wanted to be an asshole, I am bringing Drew Pearson out, and I'm making Drew Pearson announce that pick. Announce that goddamn Super Bowl champion pick. Drew Pearson is 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 the answer I would personally go with because what he did last year in Philadelphia was something that I will never get over. I will never get over what Drew Pearson did to the city. And I want him to have to go out there and announce that pick as a Super Bowl champion to his people. His people that he got all riled up last year. Oh, the Cowboys. We have such a story tradition. You don't have shit. Drew Pearson. I need Drew Pearson to announce that first-round pick. Drew Pearson is the correct answer. Finally, from James Tillett. Now, he responded to my to my ploy for, for questions with a new counterpart episode. Let me address the, the counterpart, counter, counterpoint thing that the Kist and Solak show is trying to, trying to catch on. Uh, I would have to listen to the Kist and Solak show to understand the jokes they make. Because I don't, I didn't hear it because I haven't listened. So it was sent to me on Twitter. Because I haven't listened to the Kist and Solak show. And that's all I've got to say about that. That's going to do it for episode 32 of the Counterpoint Podcast. I'll be back next week. I promise I'll be back next week. Keep sending in your ideas for who you want me to interview. Uh, Chad Lewis is great today. I love Chad. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. I will not... I will not. I did not do anything on this episode that should be a self-imposed suspension. Um, so I will be back next week with hopefully a fun guest again, and uh, we'll see. This is what your second record, and it's the song you wrote. Uh, yes, I write most.